so many people were blessed and touched and forgiven and saved and regenerated and filled with the Spirit and delivered and all that good stuff. And the Lord's just blessing the church. And I, I was going to come back on the heels of that, and I thought all that energy and all that excitement. And man, the Lord gave me a weird sermon for today. It's kind of odd. How many knows that the church is going through a lot right now? Not, not, not just the palace church, but the church world, our brothers and sisters around the world. Never has there been such a move of hostility against the church. And we're going to be tested and we're going to be tried. And matter of fact, we've preached a lot of different even series on everything that will be shaken is going to be shaken in the end time here. We are being shaken to our very core. Churches are seeing tremendous amount of people leaving the church and never coming back. The great falling away is beginning to happen in America for sure and even in some other parts of the world. And yet on the flip side of the coin, there's positives that we have to preach as well. Because at the same time that there's that loss of vitality and that loss of faith among the church, yet the world is being drawn and there's been being a creative, creative uh, draw of the spirit towards the, the unregenerated to come in and to be saved. Can you give the Lord praise for that? The harvest is truly upon us. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 9 and verse 10. We're going to go to one other verse, Proverbs 14, 12. But Jeremiah 17, verse 9 and 10, it just says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, I, I the Lord, search the heart, try the reins, even to give in every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Proverbs 14 and 12 says this. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of destruction. Brother Burton, would you ask the Lord's anointing on the word today, please? Amen. I want to talk today on a message that I have entitled, and I don't do much entitling on messages, but I've entitled it, The Problem of the Heart is the Heart of the Problem, and how true that that can be a lot of times. We all know that we as human beings are made up of body, soul, and spirit. Our body is our carnal, or what we call our natural man, and it is composed of flesh, blood, and bone, and it's susceptible and attracted to the things of this earth. And the reason that it's attracted to the things of the earth is that it's, it is because it's carnal. It is a car it's carnal by nature because it was made of the elements of the earth and it's earthly because when Adam was created by God, his body was created from the very dust of the ground. God created him from very dirt. And then our spirit man, of course, is the spirit man composed of the spirit. And we know that God also breathed into Adam's nostrils and he became a living soul. And then we know that those of us that are saved, our spirit man has been regenerated, born again, quickened, and made alive after that, after that it had been dead and trespasses and sin. And the spirit man is spiritual and it loves the things of the spirit of God because it's from God and it is spiritual. To as many as received him, to him gave he power to become the sons of God. And now God's spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and if children then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs of Jesus Christ. But the problem that every Christian has 
has every single one of us is that the spirit and the flesh war with each other. The flesh loves the things of the world while the spirit loves the things that will be of God. And this is why the, the apostle Paul said in the book of Galatians chapter 5 verse 17, he said, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other that it would cause you to do the things that you would not do normally. This scripture tells us that no matter what you and I like to do, there is always going to be a battle in trying to do it. And when the flesh wants to do something, the spirit's going to oppose it. And when the spirit wants to do something, the flesh wars against it. Why? Because them two are different natures and they war against each other. They're contrary to each other. The spirit wants the things of the spirit to happen and the flesh wants the things of the flesh to happen. So there's a constant struggle and battle going on in all of us, in every believer between this flesh nature and this spiritual nature. How many can attest that that is true at times, sometimes even harder at sometimes than others? But the truth of the matter is every time that my spirit wants to will to do the will of God, my flesh wants to oppose it. When I feel like I need to pray, my flesh don't want to pray. How many's ever found that out? Amen. When my flesh wants to eat, my spirit wants to fast. And how many's ever found that out? How many's found out eating comes a lot more natural than it does by fasting? This thing of the flesh is a natural thing. It's easier to respond to your flesh than it is to respond to your spirit because when you respond to your spirit, you're denying your flesh nature and there's, and there's suffering involved. Every time that I die, I deny anything my flesh wants to do, there is a suffering. That's why the Bible talks about, we're not going to preach a whole sermon on that, but you're even suffered being tempted. Every time the devil tries to tempt you to do wrong, your flesh wants it. Your flesh desires it. Your flesh craves it. That's the nature of the flesh. But to say no to that flesh, there is a suffering. And the Bible even tells us that Jesus suffered in the things in which he was tempted. That he suffered in his temptation. Jesus' flesh wanted those things just like your flesh wants those things. But yet he overcome by denying them. But the problem is the soul, we, we see that there's this struggle going on between the spirit and the flesh, but the problem of it is that the soul is caught right smack dab right in the middle. The soul is composed of three interconnected parts. Our mind, which is known as our thinker, say thinker. Our will, which is known as our chooser, say chooser. And our emotions, which is our feeler, say feeler. Now, them three things can get us in serious trouble. How many knows what I'm talking about? Whatever we will will become our heart. It becomes who and what we are. This is the main statement that I want to get out to you today. I'm going to be doing more kind of a teaching than I am preaching. But I want you to understand what you will, what you will to do becomes your heart and it becomes who and what you are. Our choices in life determine who and what you and I will actually become as an individual. So the heart of man is the indicator of what and who we have really become by the choices that we make or by what we have willed to do. For for example, when a man wills to look upon a woman to lust after her, Jesus said, "Those that have a man, when a man looks upon a woman to uh, lust after her, he's committed adultery within his heart." So, if a man looks over here and wills to look at a woman in an inappropriate way, what happens is he becomes an adulterer by his decision. His even Jesus called him an adulterer.
daughter. Whatever we will or whatever we choose affects what you and I will actually become. It is the indicator of where the soul will spend its time in eternity, whether in heaven or whether in hell. Folks, our heart is a product of our mental daily choices, so you and I every single day have to choose very, very wisely. Well, you know, the people just are, are loose in their thinking. They think whatever they want to think, and there's no restraint anymore. People say what they want to say. They do what they want to do. They go where they want to go, and they never really think there's going to be any kind of consequences. But let me say it again. The, the, our heart is a product of our mental or our daily choices. So you and I are going to have to choose very, very wisely of what we will to do. Can I have an amen? The problem is our choices are, are interrupted, interfered, and influenced by the things that go on in the war of the soul. We got this war going on and we're caught right in the middle and we want to do good, but the flesh opposes us and the spirit is encouraging us. And right in the middle of it, we got our mind, which is our thinker. We got our emotions, which is our feeler. And then we have what we call that decision that we got to make, which is our choice. The problem of it is this war is so strong that sometimes we allow what we feel to give us the interpretation of what seems to be reality and in wrong and, and in reality what we're feeling is not real at all. Come on, somebody help me preach. Remember, the soul is the place of our mind, it's our thinking, our will, our chooser, and our emotions, our feeling. The problem with our will is that it is connected to our thinker and to our emotions. And let me tell you, some of the biggest fights that you'll have is not with the devil. Some of the biggest fights that you'll have is with yourself. My biggest enemy is me. Am I only preaching to myself here today? Our mind and our emotions are informers to our will, okay? As a matter of fact, our will is being informed by what we feel and by what we think. But let me stop right here. Everything you feel and everything that you think does not necessarily mean that you need to make the decision to will those things that you're feeling and thinking. Amen? The conclusion to our decisions so much of the time derive from however we feel and think at the time that we make those decisions. There's a lot of talk about feelings, isn't there? Matter of fact, there's even an old song that was sung way back when I was a young boy. And the sad part of it is some people's faith can be described by the first line of that song. And it goes like this. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. You don't like my singing? I thought it was anointed. Feelings. Come on, somebody know what that song is? And the sad part of it is we confuse feelings and faith. We confuse feelings and reality. Many of our decisions are based on how we feel at the time that we make those decisions. And then sometimes we are sorry that we made those decisions because we made them out of emotion instead of making them out of the spirit and faith. Amen? 
You've heard the phrase, well, if it feels good, just do it. Be happy. A man only lives once. But happiness is nothing more than an emotion. Did you know happiness is just a feeling, but it's not something that you can live in all the time. I got sad, sad news for you. I did not come to discourage you, but I come to tell you the truth. Folks, I want to tell you something. Forget about trying to live and want to stay in a spirit of happiness all the time because it does not exist. If you live long enough, you're going to find out that there's things in life that does not make you happy. Amen? There's a lot of things I do every single day that has nothing to do about validating me, affirming me, making me feel good, making me feel happy. I do not like to change the baby's diapers. That's why I don't do it. The women do it. I do it sometimes. But the truth of the matter is there's so many things that you and I do in life that don't make us happy. And yet we have this some kind of mentality, excuse me, that we are Christians and we should walk around being happy all the time. No, the joy of the Lord is our strength, but not happiness. Happiness comes and goes by the whims of things because happiness is controlled by circumstance. If the circumstance is good, I'm happy. If the circumstance is bad, I'm unhappy. But joy, you can be joyful in the presence of the king shouting, or you can be joyful in the middle of a dungeon praising the praising the king in the middle of a dungeon. Can I have an amen? Joy is not of emotion. So I want you to understand, if you live long enough, you're going to find out that there's a lot of things about life that's not going to make you happy. America is addicted to the emotion of happiness, and they look after validation and pleasure and affirmation all the time. And this is why there's so much overindulgence in things, and there's so much selfishness within our society. This is why our society is out of balance and no moderation, and everything's lived to the extreme because people are trying to pursue after this thing called happiness at any cost. If this don't make me happy, they'll go to another level trying to make it happen. There's nothing in moderation because they feel like if I'm a believer, I'm supposed to be happy all the time. It doesn't matter what it costs them, how it affects other people. A lot of people just want to be happy and it's all about themselves. It's about how they feel. It's about how they want to, how, how they want to uh, 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 live. It's all about emotion. It's all about feeling. Well, I want to tell you, so what happens to them is they live their lives on the edge. Grown, mature individuals running around trying to fill the void of their emotions. They end up getting up, caught up in drunkenness and drugs and sex and unfaithfulness. They get caught up in materialism, cares of life, trying to find some kind of freedom, some type of happiness. They end up in worldliness or they end up depressed, oppressed, angry, bitter, hurt, or secluded because, you know, uh, every time they try something, it never fulfills. And every time they try something, it never makes them happy and so they just keep going and going until they end up in a life of destruction so many people direct their lives by how they feel a lot of times you know people say well if I feel it I might as well do it you do not want me to do everything I feel I don't want you to do everything that you feel amen you've heard people say well just follow your heart how many's ever heard that statement how many think that's a good statement to make? Just follow your heart. There's been times in my life that I've been at the crossroads and didn't know what to do, and I'd have brothers just come up to me and say, well, brother, what's your heart telling you to do? 
can't just follow your heart. And so many people believe that whatever their heart is telling them to do, that it's all right to do, that they should do it. And whatever their heart feels should be the path that they should actually take. People will say, well, don't let no one uh, talk you out of what you're feeling. They don't understand. Don't let, no one t- don't let no one talk you out of what your heart's telling you. That's what they'll tell you. And the problem of it is they haven't considered what their heart may be feeding them. Amen? The truth of the matter is our hearts cannot be trusted. Jeremiah said in our text, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can, who can understand it? And Proverbs 28 and 26 says, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely shall be delivered. The, wor- the world has told us that if it's from the heart, then it's okay, then it's right. The problem of it is that many times our will, our heart is influenced by hurt and damaged emotions, by worldly or carnal thoughts, and it's brought this to a place of decision where we willed something which becomes our heart. So the heart is made up of by decisions that we make out of wounds and out of hurts. And the heart itself becomes carnal within nature. Come on, somebody. Nowhere in scripture do you see the Bible teaching us to follow our heart. So where in the world do we get this idea that whatever I feel as a believer That's my reality and that's what I ought to do. The truth of the matter is, nowhere in the word do we see it telling us to allow our heart to govern us. We are not to allow our heart to govern us, but according to the scripture, you and I are to govern our heart. And we're responsible for the condition of our heart. I've heard people say, well, you don't understand. I'm a product of this. I was raised in da-da-da-da. It don't matter where you was raised. It don't matter what happened to you. It don't matter what injustices went on. It's sad that those things happened. But the truth of the matter is when we stand before God, we are a product of who we are by the choices that we make. And if we made the wrong choices, then we're going to stand responsible for the choices that we made in life, regardless of what took place in life. Amen? That's hard to say, isn't it? Some of you didn't get that. I said it too fast, didn't I? The reality is we are not to allow our heart to dictate to us, but we are to control the very thoughts and the intents of the heart. As a matter of fact, our hearts do not keep us, but we are to keep and guard our heart. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Diligence means pain-taking effort at any cost. At any cost, I am to guard my spiritual heart, even if it means that I have to go through much suffering to do it. You know, it's just like right now, some time ago, I was having some chest pains, and the first thing that some of the people were telling, you to a hospital, check out, you may be having a heart attack. You're a product of a heart attack. I have people tell me all the time. Just because you're a fat man don't mean you're going to die of a heart attack. Amen? And I was having some chest pains, and it was just stress is all it was. Just, you know, it's just natural stuff. Everybody go, go to the hospital, go to the hospital. Because, you know, your heart is what keeps you alive. And, you know, you don't mess around with a heart. When you have pains, you really need to take them seriously. And you need to get checked out. And my wife was telling me, you're going to get checked out, da-da-da-da-da. And I ended up having to go to the hospital and get checked out to, to, to make her feel okay. And uh, when I got some of my blood work back, she, she was saying, I can't believe it because my blood work was better than hers. I said, if you'd eat a case of ding-dongs a week, you'd be in good health, sis. I didn't say that. Believe me, I did not say that. 
that would have been the flesh and it would not have been profitable on my part. Amen. But the truth of the matter is that we'll just baby our hearts. I take an aspirin every single day. How many of you take an aspirin for the heart? Every day I take a little baby aspirin. And, you know, we do everything we can because we know if this ticker gets in trouble, we're in trouble physically. The same way it is spiritually. When the heart is sick spiritually, we're in trouble. We got to take this thing seriously. When there is evidences that stare us in our face that there's things wrong with our spiritual heart, then we have to look and say, what are those evidences and what do I need to do about it? We all are to have self-discipline of heart. In other words, we must be careful what we take to heart because whatever we take to heart is what we become. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Whatever your heart will be, what is ever in your heart will be manifested and expressed in the way that you live. You can't hide what's in your heart. It's going to come out. As a matter of fact, your heart will determine your behavior. The issues of your heart is the manifestation of who and what you have actually become as a person. This is why it's necessary to guard and keep our hearts. This is why it's so important to be careful of what we will. What we will is the choices that we make. This is what I will to do. You've got to be very careful of what you accept, what you choose, what you will, because this is what makes your heart. Amen? It is through the heart that we are to serve God and to love him. But if we make wrong decisions and the heart is not purified or sanctified, then how can we serve God in the spirit of holiness with a flawed or sick heart? The Bible tells us in Luke 10, 27, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all of thy mind. Over and over and over in the scripture, we're commanded to serve God with our whole heart. Our whole heart is to be governed wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, and not just H-O-L-Y, wholly and completely to the Lord, and there cannot be room for anything else. Hebrews 10 and 22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The Bible teaches us in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify, say sanctify, the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always. The Bible tells me that I am to sanctify my heart. I am to allow the Lord to come and cleanse my heart. Our heart is by what means we will be judged. Everybody talks about you're going to be judged by your heart. And they think that's a good thing. Well, it can be. But we will not be judged according to our desire, according to our emotion, according to our actions, according to our works, according to our attentions, according to our attitudes. You and I are going to be judged by the condition of our heart. 1 Thessalonians 3.13 says, To the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God that God wants our heart to be unblameable and holy before him at his appearing. Matter of fact, the condition of your heart will be what will determine your spiritual destiny. That's why the Bible tells us in Matthew 5 and 8, blessed are they pure in heart for the ones that's going to see God. It's the man that's got a pure heart. This is how important it is to keep your heart. It's important what you allow yourself to believe, what you allow yourself to accept, uh, what you allow yourself to choose, what you allow yourself to will, 
Because after you will something and choose it, after you embrace the belief, it becomes the issue of your heart. So when I'm sitting here under pressure, I'm sitting here fighting to keep my head above the water, all these emotions are dictating to me my flesh is opposing my spirit. My spirit's opposing the flesh. And my emotions are sitting there. And I got this thing telling me what to think by what I feel. If I'm not careful, if I will what I feel and make a wrong decision, then that decision begins to flow in my heart. And the very thing I made rashly out of a moment of heat or displeasure, that is what I've yielded to and that is what I have become. Whoo. God help me. After you will something, after you choose it, after you embrace the belief, it becomes a part of your heart. It becomes a part of who you are. And the real struggle is that we all have is this. How do you keep a heart in the midst of much war and much struggle? It's hard, isn't it? In the midst of trial, tribulation, temptation, and test, I don't know how far I'm going to get in this sermon. I got a lot, this, is a, this could be a series. But I want you to understand the real you will be revealed not while everything is being good. The real you will be revealed when things are in the, when you're being tested. That's who you really are. When you're being tested, whatever comes out of your mouth, whatever comes out of your actions, whatever comes out of your will, that's who you have become, and that is what you have come to believe. How many of you ever said, oh, I didn't mean that. I just said that out of anger. You know what? You really meant it when you're angered. That's what you willed to. That's a part of your thinking. That's a part of your DNA. Because out of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's an indicator of who you really are. It's easy for me to say, I love you, darling, when we're not fighting. But when we're fighting and the Bible tells me, don't let my anger go down. I don't let the sun go down on my anger. Don't let me. And all of a sudden, I have to go to Jenny and say, Jenny, I really love you. And it's not out of emotion. It's not out of feeling. But it's out of truth. And I'm trying to crucify my, my uh, uh, lust. And I'm trying to crucify all those other kinds of things. It is then that real Kent is exposed for who he is. Can I have an amen? It's getting quiet in here. It isn't it unbelievable how that when I was a, a young kid and we were in school, I, I linked to certain people because they were very smart and they were very intelligent. And um, I was kind of popular in high school and they, they would, you know, it was easy to make friends. And I'd always sit by them in the classroom because we would cheat on our test. Oh, come on, you self-righteous people. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to cheat, I'm going to sit by somebody who knows something. Or some of my buddies, I couldn't cheat because they didn't know no more than I did. Everybody know what I'm talking about. And we had these codes, you know. And, you know, if, if the guy put, one, he put his hand on the desk, he had one finger out like that, that's A. Put it out like that's B. If he put it out like that, that's C. Constant. And so when I got done, I knew he made 100, so I go change 10 of mine. Because if I made 100, she knew I cheated. You know what I'm talking about? I linked to a guy that would help me through high school. And the same kind of thing happens in the principles of the Spirit. 
But instead of linking to those that will help you get through spiritually, we link to those that are like-minded in the flesh with us. You know why? Because we want to justify our feeling of doing wrong. Well, everybody else is doing it. Joe does it. And if Joe does it, it makes me feel better about myself. And so instead of hanging around people that will bring you up to a level, you'll try to look for people that is at your level or beneath you in order to justify your behavior of where you're at so that you can feel good about what you're doing. And iron sharpens iron. And some of the hardest things I've ever had to take is from some of my friends because they're constantly sharpening me. I want to hang around people that know more than I know. When I have preachers come and preach, I want them to be able to out-preach me. Come on, somebody. I want to glean from them. I want to grow from them. I want to learn from them. I want to get better in my walk with the Lord. How do we keep a pure heart in the middle of wounds, hurts, disappointments, injustices that happens to us because they come to every life? How do we keep a pure heart in the midst of such mixed emotions? Emotions run rapid in the time of test, in the time of trial, and our feelings get all ran back, and all these things are telling us what to do, what to do. All these fleshly impulses, and we want to we speak out of haste. haste. We want to jump. We don't want to stop. We don't want to pray. That's one of my biggest problems, and Jenny's always putting a rope around me. Whoa, 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 boy, you ain't prayed about that yet. Calm down. Pray about it, and she's right. Emotions can even overwhelm us until there's nervous breakdowns. It can create even health problems. Remember that emotions is a part of that soulish realm. And most of the time, our feelings, our emotions, tells us what to think. And what we think causes us to make choices. And it is in these times of trial that we usually don't make the right choices or good choices because we're making them out of feeling and out of emotion instead of out of spirit. Amen? How many's ever made decisions in the heat of the moment that they regretted? And how many has suffered the consequences of those decisions? Absolutely. And no matter what we feel, remember that emotions are informers to our will. Therefore, we must test the information that our emotions are conveying to us and see if they're literally reliable or not to follow through with following what we feel. You see, feelings will distort reality. If I feel alone, I'll convince myself I am alone and it'll begin to be manifested in my life. If I feel like a loser, I'll convince myself I am one and I will live like a loser. Amen? If I feel unloved, I'll convince myself I am unloved, that God don't love me, the church don't love me, and I'll live a life of seclusion. Feelings can cause you to do all kinds of crazy things that is no more of God than a man on the moon. I can also allow feelings to distort reality by feeding even on the positive. It's not only on the negatives. For example, I can go out and do all these good works and I can feed the poor and I can offer my body to be burned and I can do all that like the Apostle Paul said, but if I don't have the love of God in my heart, it profits me nothing. I'm not saved by my works. I can go out and do all this stuff, make my feel like self like I am saved and I am somebody good. And matter of fact, a lot of times, you know what people do to justify the conditions of the bad seed in their hearts? They'll go out and do something good to try to justify or make themselves feel, self, feels, themselves feel better about themselves by what they're doing. And they just, what they do is they just go out and do something positive by the negatives in their life in order that they'll complement each other and the positive will nullify the negative and the negative will nullify the positive and they'll be right where God wants them to be. 
And both of that's furthest from the truth. For example, it can be a positive thought, go rob the rich and give to the poor like Robin Hood. May sound good and everything, but, but I want to tell you, stealing's still stealing and it's wrong. It don't matter how positive that see, well, I gave the I may have stole from so-and-so from the company, but they got a billion dollars in the bank, and this guy was starving there, so I didn't think it was wrong to steal a little bit to give to him. We can rationalize anything. Oh man, it's getting quiet. Good and bad feelings alike can lead you astray. They can cause you to make bad decisions that will affect your choice, your thinking, which will form your heart. It'll make you become who you are. The Bible tells us again in Proverbs 28, 26, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely shall be delivered. When I'm in the heat of a battle, I got to say, Kent, you got to walk real wisely right here. If I walk wisely, then I will be delivered. But if I go on feelings or emotions, I'll become a fool. You know how hard it is to have all these emotions that you got to, you know, bury them, crucify them, mortify them, cut them away, try to get your clear thinking in the midst of your trial. Feelings can seem so real, and the reason is they are real. How many knows that feelings are real? They're emotions. Just because they're real don't mean they're right. Amen? Proverbs 14 and 12 says, there's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of destruction. Oh, it seems right. Oh, it feels right. Oh, it senses to be right. But the problem of it is, it could be wrong. There's people that you will never convince that they're wrong by their decisions and the basis of their strong conviction and the, the basis of their decision, their argument will be this. I know how I feel. Have you ever tried to convince somebody? I don't care what you say. I know how I feel. Well, I'm sorry. You're feeling the, what you're feeling is real, but what you're feeling is false. It's wrong. It'll, it, it'll, it'll destroy the heart. It'll flaw the heart. It's called blemishes. It's called wrinkles of the heart. And there's no productivity and it brings forth death. Oh, God, help us. We've allowed our feelings a lot of times to dictate to us our thinking, which causes us to make decisions that will, that will cause and form the heart. So therefore, the heart is flawed. You can just any kind of emotion or feeling that you have. It don't matter what kind of emotion you have, you can justify it. Sometimes you can find hundreds of reasons. You can even find hundreds of people to buy in and accept and validate your feelings. I don't care what I think. I don't care what you think. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how many embraces you. You know what really hurts me as a pastor is to see somebody doing wrong and know it's wrong and it goes against the scripture and all of a sudden they go online and they blurt it all out in front of everybody and the next thing you know, you got 10 or 20, 30 Christians validating them and what they're doing. Follow your heart. Follow your dream. God understands. I'm sorry. Stop that. You're, you're speaking destruction to that individual. But because you got all this validation from everybody, oh, see, they go fishing. They, you know, they, they put their hook out there to see if they can get validation. And then when the pastor wants to pull them off in a private room and talk to them about what they're doing, then here's what they'll say. Well, Susie and John and Joe and all these members of the church and all these great and mighty spiritual people, they told me it's okay. God help us. 
We got to be careful because I want to tell you folks, when the test comes and when the trials come, we got to stand upon truth in order to make our decisions and not what we feel. People blurt out things in front of their children. They blurt out things in front of their relatives. They blurt out things in front of their neighbors. They blurt out things in front of their friends that forms images that you throw out a word you can never go back and recapture and pull it back in. And Jesus literally said, out of the mouth, the abundance of the heart is speaking. So it's your heart that's talking like that. And guess what else he said? You're gonna give an account for every word that you speak and every evil tree bringing forth evil fruit, evil corruption out of their mouth he's talking about. I don't know why, I just feel like I gotta bring this to a close. We're living in a time when we gotta capture our emotions and bottle them up. They're real. You feel them. But we're Christians. And what I gotta do is to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, I'm to pull down. I am to take the basis of truth, which is the word of God, and I am to read the word of God, I am to put myself into the word of God to where the word of God is what feeds my decision making in the midst of trial and not what I feel. Any feeling that does not line up with the word of God, then there's nothing else to think about because it's done, it's over. If my feeling doesn't line up with the word, the word has precedence over what I feel. Because if I go on my feeling and I violate the word, I got a flawed heart. I become something I don't want to become. I open doors. I build strongholds. I build walls. Come on. And then you know what I begin to do? I try to embrace that by trying to find people again that will agree with me. That'll validate it. That'll affirm it. That'll make me feel good about my decision. And if I speak to somebody and they don't feel good about my decision, I'll call them a hypocrite, a judge, and I'll be, you're nothing but, a, 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 you know, you're hateful, you're despiteful. I want to tell you, if you really love somebody, you'll tell them the truth. There's tons of scriptures that I was going to bring out today. But the truth of the matter is, you know, there's been times that Jenny's had to be very truthful with me about me. And there's been times that I've had to be really truthful to her about her. And we've had to be man and woman enough to take it without getting bitter and resentful, hurt. It's truth and truth will set you free. Nobody knows me better outside of God than my wife. It drives me crazy. Sometimes I can walk in and she said, what are you thinking on that for? Well, what did I say to make you think I was, oh, I know you. That's scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Bill's laughing. He's been there. He's been in the woodshed with the wife many a time too, huh? That you, you come to know one another because you become one with each other. And before long, man, they're reading your mail and what, what in the world, you know? How'd she know that? Vice versa, I know her pretty well, as, pretty good as well. And you and I have got to come to the understanding 
that we're wanting to be a church that is literally going to be a part of the end time move and awakening of God. We believe that we are a remnant church. How many believe that? Come on, how many believe that? Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm pulling you in. I got a hook out there. We really believe that God's going to blow this place apart, right? That we're going to exist for the end time so that, that we can reap an end time harvest and that we're going to do our part and that we're going to bring in our sheaves and when we stand before God, God's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over a minute. Enter into the joys of the Lord today. Amen? We believe that God's going to anoint us and that we're going to have people being saved when they get out of their cars on our grounds. That's what we're believing. We got a, man, we got a, a big statement to fill. We believe there's going to be such anointing on the grounds that people are going to drive from four off just to come to be in the presence of God here at the palace. We're not going to say we're the only church. We're praying for that to be all over town. Amen? But we believe that, don't we? Well, I want to tell you, we're not going to do it if we're led by emotion. We're not going to do it unless our hearts are holy and sanctified and set apart for the glory of God. We're not going to do it by bickering and fighting with our, our, our wives and our husbands and our fellow people and walking around with the wounds of, of emotions and, that is crazy and believing the lies of what we feel. The enemy will tell you all kinds of stuff in the time of your test. And that's where you suck it up and say, uh-uh. The word of God says, the word of God says I'm a victor, so I'm going to live like a victor. The word of God says I'm free, so I am free. The word of God says I am more than a conqueror, so I'm going to be a conqueror. The word of God says that I am pure, I'm going to be pure. The word of God says I don't, I don't talk like that, so I'm not going to talk like that. The word of God says I'm not, I'm not to be a fool and be foolish and, and spurt out things in the moments of anger and the moments of the heat and then want to try to take it back later and be so immature that I can't control my emotions. If you can't control your own emotions, how do you think that you're going to be a leader to win somebody to the Lord? If you can't control your own life, how are you going to teach somebody else to control theirs? Woo! Hello? If you can't win your own home, how are you going to win a city? We're living in a time when we have to have a pure, sanctified heart. Would you stand with me, please? In, that book, in the book of Luke where I quoted that scripture, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Notice the other two things that he puts in there. He said you got to love the Lord not only with your whole heart, but you got to do it with what? Your soul, your feelings, and your thinker, your mind. In other words, when my mind tries to tell my heart to do something that's contrary, I have to sanctify the intent of my mind. When my emotions rise up and try to lead me in a way that's contrary to the scripture, I got to grab a hold of my emotions. If my emotions want me to speak evil of somebody, gossip about somebody, slander somebody, lie about somebody, if it wants me to tell a lie, if it wants me to exaggerate truth, it, want, it don't matter what it is, I got to bring that under subjection. Simple, isn't it? No, it's not simple. It's hard to do. But the man that has a pure heart, he's the one 
that will overcome death and he's the one that'll live a life of peace and righteousness before God. I wish I could got into that. Oh, that was good stuff right there. I'm here to tell you today that we got to examine our hearts because God's going to really purify us. And God's getting us ready for the harvest. I know that we're here. We just The women just come out of an exciting, and I wanted to build on that. I had a sermon I was going to preach, and it just would not come together. And all of a sudden, the Lord just said, I want to deal with the condition of hearts. And I'm asking you to just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to reflect over the last six months to a year of your life and ask yourself, how well have I done this by guarding my heart? How well have I done this of not going on my feelings and what I think and what I impose? Because I want to tell you, we don't even have any rights. Sometimes we may be right in our thinking, but yet we're wrong in the way that we want to, that we want to lord over somebody with them. It's so odd how we can be so right at times and still be wrong because of the attitude of the way we're doing it. Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I just pray over this congregation. Let there be, God, a real examination of hearts here today. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord would begin to move upon every heart and that every heart would begin to take notice of your moving, of your operation, of your spirit that is there to guide, to lead, to direct, to instruct. You lead us and you guide us into all truth. Your word will show us the error of our way and show us how. It'll give us even the very intent of the heart according to the word of God. I ask you, Lord, right now to let us serve you with a pure heart. Let us have the mind of Christ. Let us put on the blessed prate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. Let our loins be girt about with truth. Let us have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let us be fully armed and fully protected and protect us with the helmet of salvation. Help us to quit dealing with just a, 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 let, a, the symptoms of the problem. Let us deal with the root of the problem. Instead of wanting to quit our job because our boss is mean, help us just to begin to love our boss and pray for him to be saved. And help us, Lord, not to just jump to and fro around and about with feelings. When we want to remain in unforgiveness because someone hurt us, then God give us the heart of unforgiveness. We don't need to hold on to things, God, that destroy us, that all the wounds of the past, let us let go of them. Let's quit, let us quit making excuses for them, Father, I pray. Help us to do all that you have called us to do in sincerity and in love, but with a pure heart, I pray, in Jesus' name.